Jennifer, do you remember the days of passy pong? I think it should be an Olympic sport. <laughs> passy pong. What is passy pong? Oh, that is where it seems, especially in those first, you know, six to eight months where you are running in and out of that room, picking the passy up, handing them the passy, putting it in, walking out, grabbing it. They're playing a thing. They drop it. They're, you're going to grab it again and you're putting it back in their mouth. And you're, I mean, it really should be an Olympic sport. From babies to toddlerhood. Like you remember, like you could get a handful of five passies and just like throw it into the crib for some of the older kids. And by, you know, an hour later, it was like a game and they would just lose them and they would fall then out. You would go in. Yes. Oh my go gosh. The high, the the stroller. You got a trail of passies behind you. Yeah, it's a workout you didn't intend. <laughs> Bending over, picking that up. My kids had their passies until they were about two and a half. They were super loud kids. Like they were just raring to like use their voice. And, you know, we had a busy life. Oh, and I are remember- you saying, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that you use the passy to, to like keep them quiet? Yes, absolutely. I'll say, is that not what they were designed for? Yes. Yeah, they suck to soothe as babies, so it helps them to be able to kind of, you know, get to sleep. We've utilized that in some of our resources. But as they got older, yes. I remember going to the pediatrician's office. I'm not going to tell you which one. But he looked at me and he was like, um, I can't believe you still have those passages. You need to get rid of those. And I was like, are you taking care of these kids all day long? No. <laughs> About two and a half. It might start to affect their upper palate. So I've got some time. I'm going up to the limit, people. (laughs) That is so funny. And and I love it because you did do it that way. Now, I'm 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 going to be real transparent here. My mom, she was was a daycare uh, person. She, She actually owned her own daycare. And she would take those passies away by three months of age. Those kids, once they got to her daycare, it was called Strawberry Patch, by the way. Is that not the oh, best name in the whole wide world? I don't think I ever knew that. that so <laughs> and I mean, they would come in and I mean, and if they came in with the passy, she put them away. They went in the cubbies. She was not going to play the passy pong game. We know where you are, whether you got rid of it early or whether you're hanging on for dear life with those passies. Daytime, nighttime. Welcome to today where we are going to talk about how your kids are strong, adaptable, resilient, and no matter what age you're at, how we can remove that passy. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the moms on call. For nearly 20 years, Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they have this podcast to talk directly with you. Ask your questions at 888-234-7979. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Hi, Jennifer and Laura. My name is Caroline and I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I love you guys so much. Our baby is a champion sleeper because of you. So thank you for that. Um, My son, he is 14 months old. 
Uh, he's a sweet boy, and he is obsessed with his passy. He carries it around everywhere. He holds it with one hand while he eats. Um, I told myself we would make him give it up when he turned one, but he loves it so much I haven't been able to do it. Do you have any tips for getting rid of the pacifier? Anything would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Oh, this would be so fun. All the ways that we've heard over the years of how people got rid of their pacifiers. I think one of my favorites was they attached them onto balloons and then let them go and waved goodbye to them. Like, I don't know if that's, you know, legal to just <laughs> let the balloons go. Maybe some other kid found it, you know, halfway across town. I don't know. It's like, this is exactly what I prayed for. Right. Passies. Um, and people who gave them away. Here's another one that I loved. People who gave them to, like, when they would go food shopping, they would give the passy as payment to the, you know, checkout person. <laughs> These days, oh, you can't hand something like that to a stranger. That's true. That's but, true. Um, yeah, but there's so many fun ways. And um, so I can't wait to talk about this. I love, thank you for loving us. Like when we hear those comments, I, you guys probably just don't realize how much that warms our hearts, how happy we are to know that anything that we did, it keeps us you. going. It keeps yes. us going. It does because that is, that's really our heart, our heart is, hey, can we help some families out there? Sometimes it's fantastic and fun, and sometimes it's not so fun. And getting rid of the passy may be one of those times that it's just not that fun. And we often say that, you know, that sweet spot to get away, get rid of it is usually around that three-month mark when you're taking away the swaddle. That's a great time to do it. You don't have to do it then. You can keep it. But once we get to this age, like this sweet little one at 14 months old, when is the best time, Jennifer? What, what oh. do we always say? <laughs> the best time is when you are ready. You, you, the parent, the caregiver, because it's going to shorten the naps a little bit. And it's going to take about three days of reassurance and actually, it's a great exercise in helping your voice be the thing that helps your toddler to motivate them to be able to do things that maybe they thought they couldn't do. And sometimes we think that they can't do it until we see it happen. So our job is to let you know we've seen it so many times, thousands of times over, that if we replace that passy with a strong sense of being able to live life without it, you'll be fine. It has to be simple. It has to be repetitive. And we often have a couple of false starts. So I'm telling you, as soon as you decide to get rid of that passy, sometime typically before about two and a half years old, where we talked about it can change the upper palate a little bit, and that might, you know, kind of put you on the track for braces later on. Um, so by two and a half at the latest, any time before that, that you are ready, your kid will probably get sick the next day, and then you'll convince yourself, no, they need the comfort of this passy, or you started, and then you didn't realize that there was two of them stuck underneath the car, um, you know, the seat, seat in the minivan. It was uh, there with like 10 old dried French fries, and, yep. <laughs> right? A book that had two pages ripped out. Oh, and this passy that somehow they had this internal, I don't know, locator. Like, how did you even know it was under there? 
there and they will find whatever passy is deeply hidden in your home or vehicle. And then you'll get your feet back up underneath you and be able to say, okay, now I want to move forward. And, you know, to me, there's a couple of ways to do this. You know, we can go all in and we'll talk about that in just a, a minute, especially if we're getting closer to that two and a half, three-year-old mark. Um, but one of the things that sometimes is helpful is to limit the passy to sleep times. And then those, hey, I got to get through the doctor's office. We got to get through the, the, you know, grocery store or what have you. But to limit the use of that to more of those sleep times so that they stay in the crib. And some of those reassuring statements, Jennifer, that you are so... I just wish I could have you like on a recorder, you know, that could just really reassure parents with just those simple statements like, oh, you don't need the passy. We're going to go play with this ball. Let's go. And that passy stays in the bed and you use that distraction and those really positive statements, which one allows our kids to know that there are other options. Well, and being repetitive. So the ways that toddlers learn is through repetition and the confidence that we have. So we just want to keep it nice and short. We don't want to over-explain Wait, 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 Jennifer. (laughs) You mean I have to act like I'm not worried? So, yeah. Okay. Oh, dang. You can be worried about it and talk about being worried about it behind a closed door with whomever. But when you were with them, just act like this is the most normal thing that ever happened because they look to you. You're the one who's bigger and smarter than them and, you know, helps to organize how the world works. So we get, we have so much power to set that atmosphere. And at first they just don't like that it's different, but at the core of everything that we do, when I ask my clients all the time, do you think they can survive without this passy? Unequivocally and immediately, they all say, yes, of course they can. I'm like, awesome. Hold on to that. You are the first voice of hope this kid's ever going to hear. And we're going to get them to do something that you have you know, told me that they are totally capable of doing. So let's communicate that to them in the ways that toddlers receive communication. Short, sweet, repetitive. I think that's so important, Jennifer, as as we navigate, because there's always transitions. There's always things that we have to change. There's always things that aren't lining up exactly the way we, we want them to or that they want them to be. And I think that reminder of, look, we're going to do two steps forward and one step back. It's okay. And it's okay for this to not be necessarily easy, right? There are mm-hmm. things yeah. that we have to do in parenting that just isn't easy. And now I am a big kind of rip the Band-Aid off type yes. person. I dive oh, in. Yes. I go for it. Look, <laughs> I can handle anything for three to five days. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to drag it out for three or four weeks and everybody's miserable. So I tend to like, hey, we're going in. We're going in. We're getting rid of all of them. And I love that because I think one of the things that undermines us the most is we feel like we have to convince them not to want it anymore. And that's not the play. (laughs) That's not the play we're going for. We're not going to do it. They don't respond to reason. They're not suddenly, (laughs) there's not some magical way we're going to explain it. We're like, that totally makes sense. Here's all my passes. Thank you, Dad. I willingly turn them over to you or strangers or whatever. Could you take these? I am totally capable of living without it. Um, So, yeah. So it's just moving forward, 
taking them all away and saying, you know, when they're asking for it or, you know, those times that they used to need it, like you're totally capable of being a big kid and not needing a passy anymore. I believe in you. Let's move on to the next thing. And after that sinks in, they just have to hear the same thing over and over again. And then that begins to become what they embrace. And after about three days of crankiness and shortened naps and yeah, they didn't care for it so much. That confidence is contagious. And trust me, we've walked through it thousands of times with thousands of families. Your kid is not going to college with a pacifier. Our resources will show you in the back of the toddler book. There's a cheat sheet on pacifiers. I love our cheat sheets, by the way. I'm just going to give a shout out to those because I do think that, you know, our zero to six month book, hands down, bestseller, 100%. But I think a lot of people don't realize all the information that's in that toddler book. We have cheat sheets for all kinds of things where you can just flip to that, get those positive statements that I was talking about earlier right. that I think we should have. <laughs> you can carry Jennifer us in your just, pocket. Yep. Recording uh, on there. So make sure you check out those cheat sheets. And really what we want you to know is that your kids truly are uh, resilient and adaptable and we can get through this together. Hi, Mom. My name is Brianna Banks. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I've got a 13-week-old um, darling little girl, and we recently did our um, three-night sleeping through the night um, protocol, and it went pretty well. Um, and then we went out of town, and something was in the water there because we came back, and we had not been sleeping through the night, waking up somewhere between three and four, um, just inconsolable. And I am feeling my resolve weekend. So I just wanted a little boost, a little pep in my step to help me remember how to get back on track here so she can be getting those full nights of sleep and mommy can too. Thanks again so much for your help. Bye-bye. Well, let's make sure of a couple of things. One, that they're healthy. We want to make sure that we're using the right sound machine. So it does need to be a high quality sound machine. We want to make sure that she's actually in footed PJs that can, when, when they're in sleep sacks or sleep, sleep suits, sometimes it can cause some frustration as they're trying to find that comfy spot. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're in footed pajamas. And then we want to rest assured that anytime that we kind of go on vacation or they get sick, that we just wipe the slate clean and get through another three to five nights. And we often hear that they're inconsolable, like they can't settle themselves down. So we're here to tell you they actually can. And it's usually about five minutes longer than what you think that you can take. Laura's talked about this before. She uh, coined this phrase, practice the pause. So, you know, we really, there was a a consult of several that I've had, but I remember like they couldn't quite make it. And, you know, they had let the baby cry, you know, maybe... 15, 20 minutes. And that was the most that they could do. And then the next night it was 15, 20 minutes again. And then, you know, we had that pep talk, like, you know what, let's just go for it. Let's just see, you know, they're probably so close. And it was 25 minutes. So those first two attempts, you know, they were only five minutes away from really getting this, um, habit back into place of all night sleep. So you're closer than you think, and it's probably just a little bit further away than what you feel like. But we'd like to reassure you that 
they, if, as long as they're healthy, like Laura said, all the pieces are in place, that they absolutely can settle themselves down and get back to sleep. Let them show you what they can do. Hi there. My name is Brooke and I live in Stafford, Virginia. And I have six kiddos and my oldest is adopted. And then I have two foster kiddos on the tail end that are one and two. And the one-year-old will not nap. Um, It almost seems as if she has like trauma attached to nap time um, because she will sleep through the night. So I'm just trying to figure out. She's only 16 months old and she will not nap. I've tried laying with her. We have white noise. We keep a schedule. Um, and there's just so much trauma there. She will allow me to hold her and rock her, but she won't let me leave the room. Um, and I've tried lots of different things, but I'm wondering if you guys can help. Cause when my 10 year old was a baby, you guys helped me with him. So, um, anyway, thank you so much. Have a great day. First of all, thank you. And to all of the foster parents out there and to everybody who is working hard to try and make a foundation for kids of all varieties, thank you. Having six kids and you know adopting and having foster kids, this is amazing. So first of all, Brooke, we want to provide you with everything that you might need. Um, this is a really special situation. So when we do have kids whose history we're unclear about, one of our um, consultants, Megan, she also has walked through a lot of foster families. And we'd love to connect you um, with one of our consultants that could help walk you through it. But the short answer on this is um, we don't have to have a nap. So sometimes the expectation is that there has to be a nap. And I know that's like, you know, cranky pants in the evening times for kids that don't have a nap. And with six kids, you probably need like an hour to be able to, you know, reorganize things. But in this season, when we don't know what the history was and the nap is this difficult, and even when you're there, even in your presence and anything that we're trying isn't helping at this age, then sometimes just allowing the expectation of having a nap to not run your household or, you know, um, set what you feel like is a successful day for this child, that's okay. And so we give you permission for that. And oftentimes as well, the other thing I would encourage you to do with the information that you have about this sweet baby at this time is to go take the toddler by design quiz because the kids that don't nap typically tend to be engineers. They have so much mental energy. And so they have a really hard time napping and they may nap like once every week and a half. And then you're thinking about everything you did that day to try and get that nap to happen. It just builds up over time and then they finally sleep. So making a nap opportunity with low expectations and not forcing it, if there's no sleep going on, that's okay. Um, You know, those guidelines is what we would use. And we would love to connect you with one of our consultants. Being able to walk with these families personally, step by step, is really um, just so incredible. It, it does make 
make that relationship so important. And Brooke, when you've got six kids, it, you do. Sometimes you just need somebody to come alongside you and just tweak things where we need to. So get connected with a consultant if you need to. Um, but you may find that once you kind of know that little one's design and we can work on, on getting some of that mental energy out, that you may find you just might get that 30, 45 minute or maybe even an hour nap. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. If you have a question for Jennifer and Laura, call 888-234-7979. Visit momsoncall.com for resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive your amazing parenting journey.